Hi, this is Diane Carbo with Caregiver Relief, and today I have Pat Deegan with me. She is our end-of-life specialist and regular podcast contributor. Pat, thanks for meeting with me again today. Our topic today is going to be on bereavement, grief, mourning, and coping with loss. That's a big agenda. I, it is. <laughs> One of the with bereavement, we're all going to die, whether we like it or not. There are so many ways that, you know, people can die. And I think it depends on how a person has lived. As we said from day one, communication with your family, your doctor stuff is imperative. I want to go over a couple of the different kinds. I, there's been a lot of studies about children. What, how old are they when they start to grieve? And I think generally, and that's generally speaking, between seven and nine, kids can really grasp the meaning of it and get into it a little bit more. You know what? I can actually attest to that because I was between the ages of seven, nine when I, my grandmother died, my mom's mom. Then I had a young boy classmate, Joey Buffel, who died of leukemia and was actually was laid out at home. I can remember feeling so sad for my grandfather that he had lost his wife. And I remember feeling very sad for Joey's parents because they had lost their son. It's got to be terrible to lose a child. I just cannot imagine. Well, yes. They you know, yes. never get over it. And you don't. And it triggers, like their birthdays or the first Christmas, the first Thanksgiving, just anything. And the world they might have been killed on, you think about. There's so many of them. And I don't think a lot of people... Remember that when somebody's very sad or despondent that, oh, gosh, this is the time that they were killed on the highway or something. And then when you think of, like, mass tragedies, I think of 9-11. Yes. We lost over 3,000 people. Yeah. And yet the outpouring from all around the world meant a lot, I'm sure, to people. And a lot of people will set up memorials. But that's a nation grieving. But yet everybody can grieve their own way. The other one I think that people don't tend to think about People that are in long-term facilities, yes. you know, a couple of patients, one patient will die one day and then another one will go like a week later or so. And they, the staff, for some reason, just don't think that the other patients or residents there feel the loss, but they do. Because these were people that they saw every day, maybe shared a table with, whatever, and all of a sudden they're gone. So they grieve a loss just as much as, you know, as anybody else. And I think we tend to forget that sometimes when they're in nursing homes. You know what? You're ac absolutely right about that. And I think that the facility sometimes may hold memorials or they just don't talk about it at all. I think it's really important for family members uh, to realize of aging parents that it, when you hit your 50s, 60s, and 70s, you lose a lot of your family members, your friends, pets. You've gone through a lot of death and dying, so you've had a lot of loss. And that takes a toll on you over time. Oh, it certainly does. It really does. And you group those things, but when you take them separately like you just did, mm -hmm. piece by piece, that's when it really hits you. Because we do suffer all kinds of losses, like in pets and stuff. But we kind of, I was that's a long time ago, but it's, it's still part of the grieving process for everybody. Exactly. One of the saddest types of bereavement may be the ones that probably need a lot more in-depth counseling are homicides and suicides for many reasons. I think the people that are left are numb 
They're absolutely in shock. They're in denial. All the things that you, all the different anticipatory griefs, they go through all at once. And so many of them blame themselves. Why didn't we see the signs? Now, of course, there was always a stigma to suicide. That's getting a little better because we're talking more and more about mental health. It's um, not that it's normal. No, it's not. But years ago, we never talked about it. It was just swept under the rug, whereas now it's out in the open, and people have to admit it and talk about it. I think with both of those, homicide or suicide, there's such an intrusive nature to the news, the publicity, the media. And that's something you, I don't know how we can deal with that. You can't turn it off if you don't want to hear it. As the mother of a son who completed suicide, disabled vet, that had a chronic pain condition, I, I want people to know that there are 22 vets a day that have been killing themselves every day oh. for the last 20 years. and has to do with their, the medical delivery system the lack of mental health for our vet. I know there's a stigma to death with by suicide, and there's a stigma to somebody who uh, kills hom a, a homicide. And we'll talk about this at another time as well, but there's an increase in elderly suicide, homicide, suicide, because people are living longer, and those spouses, it's usually a male spouse that is in his late 70s or 80s, that is taking care of his wife with dementia and feels hopeless and helpless and over time decides this is the option. But you're right, there is a stigma to things that affect our grieving process, our, our mourning and coping with loss. People don't know what to say to you. That's the truth. Well, I'm glad you said that. I came up with oh, it's quite a while ago, many years ago now, of things that people often say, I'll just give you an example, when somebody dies, it doesn't matter the um, circumstances, but they'll say, oh, he's in a much better place. No, he's not, because he's not here with, but yeah. don't say something like that. Yeah, one of the things I can tell you I experienced as a young woman who lost her mother at 18, I was in nursing school, and when my mom died, people avoided me. And the same was after, after my son died, Jeff. People don't know what to say to you. There's always this big rush during the what they call the bereavement time designated by employers or whatever, the three-day period of bereavement, that people are there, flurry, they come, they say, hello, I'm sorry to hear this, or like you say, they'll say things, well, they're in a better place, they're out of pain. I, I get that, but it's really after that period where it's very difficult for the family, the person that's grieving, because people avoid you or they just don't interact with you because they don't know what to say and they're feeling uncomfortable. Exactly. And that's why I came up with some of those um, suggestions, let's say, on, on what to say. Because like you said, people are, we've always put death on the back burner and we don't want to talk about it because it's not a pleasant topic and people don't want to admit it, you know, that, hey, we're all going to die. But I will find those things. I always... I've always kept them because I thought, gosh, I'll use them myself. Absolutely. Yeah. We have to remember that mourning uh, is an outpouring of grief, and it's, it's a time when you share it with the public. There are some religions require a certain time frame for mourning, like the Jews, the Eastern Orthodox, Hindu, and Muslim react, uh, religions um, set more actual mourning periods. Uh, society also puts a timeline on your mor mourning period, like 12 months is a common timeline. Really? 
Silly. You know, my mom's been dead 50 years, and I still have periods of grief and mourning. And Jeff's 10 years. There are times where you have to wear black, and there's no dancing or celebrations. You put the black wreath on the door or cover a doorbell or a knocker. Uh, Those are ways to let society know you're in mourning. But you know what? I have to tell you, it's it, there are no rules for mourning, and there's no way to show people what you're feeling inside. There's no way to help you cope when you publicly announce it. It's hard. People are afraid, I think, like, especially men. They don't want to cry or throw their emotions to other people, so they hold it in, and they keep holding it in until it just has to let itself out. Yeah, that can happen in any multitude of ways that they can express it, but I don't know if the stereotypes that we have set upon people are ridiculous that probably need to be revised. They do. I believe that. I wanted to touch briefly on bereavement in the workplace. There was an interesting case study, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll shorten it. A, she was around maybe 50. She called her boss. She had worked with this company like for 30 years. She called to tell him that her daughter had died in an accident and yeah. that her son had alcohol and he was the cause of the death. So she's mourning two things, that her daughter's dead and it's because of her son. The manager said, oh, something like, oh, I'm sorry. And that was all. And then he said, oh, we have a bereavement policy here somewhere in the desk and shut her off. So then he said, I'll, I'll get back to you. Okay. So he tells the secretary, what's his name? I will say, Anne's daughter died in a motor vehicle accident. Please go tell everybody. So that's what she does. She doesn't know anything else about it. And she just tells people with it. She means, oh, Anne's daughter died in a car accident. So a few people. Anne then called one of the girls that works there and said, told her the whole story and asked her if she would, you know, tell everyone that they're invited to the, the, the viewing the next day. For whatever reason, I guess the girl did, but nobody went to the viewing. Two days later, she gets a letter from the company. It has a bereavement policy as you have four days. That was all. Nothing else like that. They were sorry or anything. So she does the four days and she goes back to work. And she is useless because she nobody's talking to her because they don't know what to say. And she's got all this stuff pent up. And why aren't people talking to me and all these other things? Everybody, no matter what kind of an office it is or what kind of a business it is, needs a bereavement policy. Whatever it is, it has to be somewhere and at least to be a little bit more, to be more caring. And he was absolutely heartless. And of course, that was brought up in the case study when they were talked about. Maybe he never had the opportunity to talk about death. Who knows? Yeah. Typical reaction. They make mistakes. They, they come in late. They don't do their job. And it wears off on the other employee. There's no doubt about it. That's just something that they've got to do something about that. I can tell you, having lost my mom, at, I was in nursing school. So I was just a freshman in nursing school. I just started in September, and she died in December. I can remember everybody wanted me to quit nursing school and to stay home to help my dad raise my other brothers and sisters. And my mom was so excited and proud that I was going to be a nurse. So... I stayed. I, I moved out of the dorm, and I drove back and forth every day, which in nursing school was a real struggle, as you pass. Yes. yes. Um, and I did graduate, but I can tell you that I never took time to grieve. I never took time. And my dad got in a relationship 
uh, early on and was married within a, a year after my mom died with, to another woman. We weren't allowed to talk about my mom. So I know for my personal experience that I have complicated grief. I still, to this day, 50 years later, when Christmas comes around, I really am challenged by that. You know what? And, and Jeff's birthday's coming up. His birthday's July. You can't control it. You don't even know what's happening sometimes. You have to just allow it to happen and feel those waves of grief. There are times when you just have moments where you just break down and cry. Yeah, like waves of, of, of grief come upon you. Like the, I always think of it like the ocean. It could be very still, and then these waves just come crashing in when you least expect it. Yes. You just have to acknowledge it. Yep. Yes. And I have to tell people that out there that you have to face your grief. And, and even though it's hard to handle, you have to face it. Uh, if you ignore it and you push it down and keep it in, all it's going to do is make you face it sooner or later, your, right. the challenges. But you have to allow yourself to heal. And I feel like over time, you get better. You do. And forget, though. You, you never forget. One of the things I have a hard time with is sometimes people will say to me, you should be over that by now. Yeah. I, I you know? that, too. Oh, how insensitive is that? You need to get over this. Really, you know what it is. And everybody grieves differently. Yeah, there's no time limit for grief. Generally, no. we'll say, oh, maybe six months, maybe a year. But some people have a lot more than that. Yeah, they yeah. They really do. Yeah. Uh, that's why I don't think there's any time limit. And that people shouldn't be rushed. And I think you sometimes get that when you go into group therapy. You've always got one or two people that, okay, everybody, now we've all got 10 minutes apiece to tell, you know, your story or whatever. And then there'll be always be a couple of them that'll take a half an hour. And how does everybody else feel so that the person that's running this or the counselor, she, he or she has got to step in and say, wait a minute, we're only allowed the 10 minutes. And then there's the one that thinks she knows everything and so doesn't agree with anything. And, you know, <laughs> that's, oh, how do you feel that? Then woman will say, when I'm cooking something, it reminds me of it. That's ridiculous. That doesn't happen. That's all in your mind. You hear this all the time. But yeah. so self-centered and... They don't grasp the meaning of what it feels like. I don't care what they say or do. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I have been in those groups, and I have had those experiences, and it's uncomfortable at times because people continue. You want to move forward to a healthy new you, and you shouldn't have feelings of guilt. And sometimes the feelings that we have, we're trying to learn to live differently without that person in our life. And to learn to live a, a full life again. And these thoughts can be overwhelming at times 10, 15, 50 years later. And you have to readjust and continue to move forward to a healthy you. And that means sometimes ex taking extra care of yourself. Oh, 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 that's so important. That's where it comes. You've got to take care of yourself to take care of others. Yeah. If you do, it'll just eat away at you. Yes. And you know what? One of the things I do is I always say I step off the world for a while. I shut out society, so to speak. I turn off the phone, and sometimes I just have me time. It's important to do that. There are natural effects that we have of grief, and our brain pr produces uh, a bunch of hormones and neurochemicals, and you feel foggy. I've had the brain fog 
And some people say they felt like they had been had alcohol. I'm not a drinker. I'm an adult child of an alcoholic, and I'm the one of four that, of my siblings that probably doesn't drink, which is okay. I'm not making judgment here. It's, I, I, I will drink, but I don't like the, the way it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to feel like we don't have it all together. Even now, there are times, especially after Jeff's death, that I, I don't feel like I have it all together. Right. And it is, and they're natural. Mm-hmm. And our, our brain does protect us from overwhelming feelings of grief. And we'll start to put things back together again, and I do. And sometimes it's just I need to have counseling sessions or go back to reading some things. Right. I, I will tell you that I do exercise. Oh, okay. That's a very good means of, yeah. Yeah. Like yoga and all those other yes. Well, things. Absolutely. Yes. Physical activity can actually improve your feelings of fatigue, brain fog, and mild depression. And that's a good thing because it releases endorphins. I love to walk on the beach. <laughs> and I'm very social. So just getting out and adjusting to life after a loved one gone is important. It does take time and effort, and it will be slow. And, and let me tell you, 50 to 10, 50, 20 years later, I'm still adjusting, and I still work to develop a, a healthy routine for myself. Good for you. Yeah, you got to take care of you. Me is important. Take a me day. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. Too, too few of us take the time to do that or to recognize that we need. You know what? It, it, when people start telling you you need to be over this or you, you need to move on, you really do. I, I do. I try really hard, but there's just times when I have to step off the world and allow myself to feel the way I do. It's debriding a move, Pat. You have to yep. take the bandage off allow the bleeding and whatever to occur and and deal with those feelings again. And each time it heals a little bit more. I like that simile. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, really, if you think about it, that's what it is. I can tell you that some people, because they don't deal with their grief on a regular way, have some really profound emotional reactions. That can cause anxiety attacks, chronic fatigue, depression, and some have thoughts of suicide. Yeah, yes. Unfortunately, that's how some people, you know, they'll think there's no way out. I can't cope with this anymore. It's just overwhelming. And that's when they think of things like that. I yeah. don't know. I think you know, that's another whole thing. Like we said before, we'll talk at another time about these people that are in their 90s in a nursing home and all their friends are gone. Nobody comes to visit. And they have aches and pains and nothing's right. And they feel, what's the use of staying? You know, yeah. it's this bad. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell family members out there, you have to help others grieve and don't avoid them. Encourage them to talk about their feelings of loss and share memories. One of the things I do, I called my son Casey up the other day and said to him, you got to call me. It's Jeff's birthday's coming up. I'm feeling bad. I need to talk to somebody about Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and he did. And yeah, you've got a support person and that's important. Yep. Exactly. The other thing is people don't offer false comfort. It doesn't help the, the, the grieving person when you say it was best or you'll get over it in time. Just show a simple expression of sorrow. And just sometimes all you need to do is 
hold a hand or put your hand on a shoulder and, and just listen to a person. So like, yeah, like you can, you can even say, hey, listen, if, if you feel that bad and you want somebody to talk to, I'm here and I'll listen. Just call me. That for somebody to listen and acknowledge that they are in pain. Exactly. You can't. There's no place to cover that up. No, yeah. Because most of the times they just want somebody to listen. That's all. And the more you talk about it, the better it gets that you can, you know, cope with it a little bit better. Right. And I have a, I have a friend. She will not drive on 544 because that's where her husband crashed and died. Ah. Uh, Absolutely cannot. She'll go five miles out of her way because she cannot go down 540. I have people that have similar feelings, like they can't go to a certain place or they can't have a conversation with a certain person because of what the, the, in relation to the death. Mm-hmm. I, I want to tell people, though, I want them to also know that you can offer practical help to somebody that's grieving. We're all ready to help bring food and do things that, during that notified bereavement period, whatever that is. But you know what? Sometimes people need it later. Mm-hmm. No, much later. Mm-hmm. You know, offer to take them out for coffee or just make yourself available to talk because you need to be patient. Yeah. And I think people that have suffered a loss tend to be more receptive or more of somebody else's needs to talk about it. That's just my own thing. Having grieved my husband and stuff and my parents were still alive, to have somebody else that I could talk to that had lost a husband. We bounced off each other all the time whenever it got a little tougher than usual. And that was great. Yeah. We understood where, where, where she was coming from. That's why I, when I lost my mom, I didn't get any grief counseling. That was 50 years ago. And, you know, they didn't have it then. And you just were to suck it up and, and get on with your life. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm sure I still have issues missing my mom. Not that I wouldn't have missed her, or missed her anyway, but it's really hard. It was just an unhealthy, dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. You know, she's gone, it's over, move on. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that, especially after Jeff's death, is that losing someone, oh, how do I want to put this, is especially to do aside, it's difficult to, to lose. And you feel a tremendous amount of guilt, anger, and shame due to suicide. I also felt because I didn't have grief counseling or have someone to talk to me, burden of guilt, anger, and shame because my mom died because she was sick with cancer. And here I was, a 17, 18-year-old girl taking care of her at home. She would have bouts of severe coughing and she had a thoracotomy and an incision into her chest cavity where gallons of fluid would come out and I was left to be the caregiver for her because my dad just couldn't deal with it he couldn't handle it so I think that I was angry at my mom for being sick I had I, I think for decades I had such a tremendous amount of guilt and shame because I was angry at her for being sick. And it, w- it went unaddressed. But now you can see that. Oh, about it. It, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And it's made a tremendous difference in me. 
that's why I'm a big advocate of get out there, do talk about end of life issues. Don't be afraid. Learn about grief and grieving and what you can do to get over it because there is life after. I've, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. And and someday the pain will lessen and you'll have still have those cherished memories of your loved one. Yeah, yeah. You'll never forget. You'll get over it, but you'll you never forget. But like you said, the, the memories that sustain us for years and years. Think of the happy times, not the bad times. Exactly. And that's what one of the things that I, I work on with Jeff's death is I start taking up new hobbies. I've had travel. I share things with, like, I call Casey up and say, all right, you have to talk to me. People need to do something to incorporate uh, a memorial or tribute to your loved one. You may do some new family tradition. I know with Casey, he started uh, a ketamine clinic, and he did that in honor of his brother who had a chronic pain condition and was a vet, and now he's helping vets. So I think that, that's a, a, a living memorial yep. to Jeff. Yep, he's channeling all that into that. That's marvelous. That's wonderful. Exactly. I'm sure he's happy, like, when you tell him to call, because then you, the two of you are sharing a, the same experience. Yeah. He didn't, of course, guys tend not to ask for help sometimes. It, it, that's very true. All of that's very true. And I'm going to mention one more thing. People can start a grief journal. It may, sometimes writing out their thoughts and feelings, through the grief process, it just provides a private and safe space to express yourself. No matter how weird or negative your feelings may be, but that's a, another way to focus on positives. And it can be very beautiful and, and a life-affirming tribute to the person right. um, that you've lost. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been writing a journal for over 20 years, and it's really amazing. It's funny sometimes when I look back at some of the things that I wrote and what have you. And how you were feeling. Absolutely. I, I think that's touching. I think that's very touching. Pat, I, I thank you so much for your time today. I think that I hope we've helped others out there with their grieving process. And with that, I'm going to end with the way I always do to tell my caregivers out there, remember, you're the most important part of the caregiving equation. Without you, it all falls apart. So learn to be gentle with yourself. Practice self-care every day because you are worth it. All right, Pat, next week, I'll talk to you then. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks, Bye -bye. Pat. Bye. Bye-bye. Yep,